Welcome to The Christian Atheist, where faith and reason fuse in the Incarnation. Episode number 104, J.E.D.P., The Mount Ebaldificio, and C.S. Lewis, Part 1. Following our interview last year with Justin Brierley of Premier Christian Radio in Great Britain, we've had several listeners contact us from across the pond. One of them, the Mad Scott, has made an important impression on our work, taking us back to an important episode in April 2022. Episode number 52, The Curse Tablet, Archaeology and Faith, discussing the discovery of the lead defixio or curse tablet on Mount Ebal by Scott Stripling and his team from the Institute for Biblical Research in 2019. Jenny can attest how anxiously I have been awaiting the publication of the scholarly paper. It was promised at the end of last summer, but it was finally published May 12th, only five days before I began drafting this episode. It is entitled, quote, You are cursed by the god Yahweh, an early Hebrew inscription from Mount Ebal. There is, by the way, a bit of a professional gauntlet jab in this title. Stay tuned, and I'll clue you in on it. I promised our listeners in that episode that we would keep abreast of the developments on this topic. I also alluded in episode number 52 to C.S. Lewis's essay, Modern Theology and Biblical Criticism, which has only become more relevant since that time, and in particular to the Mad Scott. There are, thus, three threads to weave together, as our title reflects. First, the Mad Scott. The initial email was brief and cryptic, and I assumed that once again I was being set up by an unbelieving critic. Hi, John. I was interested in your worldview in podcast number one. You said you hold to the universe being 13.8 billion years old, the evolutionary model, and not the young Earth 6,000-year creation model. Is this a position you hold in April 2023? My response was even shorter than the question, as I expected a series of attacks to follow. Hi. Yes, it is, unless I've got good reason to change it. The matter is in no way a challenge to my Christian beliefs, so not much hangs on the answer for me. What developed from that point was a fascinating conversation revealing a story of grace as interesting as our own. I am hoping to chat with him sometime here on The Christian Atheist. He told me, I'm a failed theology student. I had the same intention as you to be a pastor. First week of college, looking forward to soaking up whatever came at me, I discovered the joys of liberal theology. The JEDP theory that turned a young, cover-to-cover Bible-believing man into someone scrabbling for answers and, as you're fond of saying, trying to get to the truth. Twenty years later, the Lord graciously drew me back into the fold. C.S. Lewis was asked by the principal of Westcott House, the Cambridge Theological School that prepares priests for the Anglican Church, to address his concerns about, quote, modern theology and biblical criticism to his students. At least part of what Lewis has in mind in this essay is what the Mad Scott called above the JEDP theory. We had best explain the nature of this sort of theory here. It is also referred to by various names and at different levels of specificity, like the documentary hypothesis, 
the Graf-Wellhausen theory, source criticism, and the higher criticism. We will try to unpack some of these names as we move forward. In episode 17 of The Christian Atheist, we quoted Max Doubt. If Wise has studied the Bible, then he must know that most of the stories were written long after the supposed events, and those characters who are not completely fictional are mainly propaganda props. Is Wise familiar with the documentary hypothesis or the synoptic problem? I doubt it. But these have been the main focus of real biblical scholarship for over a century. Regrettably, Max is right that the predominant biblical scholarship in academic circles, both theological and secular, has been fixated by what I always referred to as the higher criticism, which Max here calls the documentary hypothesis and the synoptic problem. Such academic approaches, as I would argue they are designed to do, have led to the tragic falling away from faith example by the Mad Scot and countless others. They begin with skeptical postulates, such as those he details here. The biblical characters are fictional propaganda props, and the text was not composed until long after it is traditionally assumed. And they go on to inform us of all sorts of evidence in the text that supports those conclusions, undermining traditional religious assumptions by creating problems their theories are designed to solve. Let us pause for a moment and differentiate and delineate the two areas of biblical criticism that Max presents here. First, JEDP, the Documentary Hypothesis, also called the Groff-Wellhausen theory after the German scholars Karl Heinrich Groff and Julius Wellhausen. We should note that this is a form of what is called source criticism a species of higher criticism devoted to looking behind the text to determine its origins. It was Wellhausen who essentially codified the work of many previous scholars, including Graf, into the famous, or infamous, depending on your perspective, Prolegomena to the History of Israel in 1883. It is not coincidental, I would argue, by the way, that these theories rose to prominence in post-Hegelian Germany. Our devoted listeners may chuckle. Wellhausen argued that mosaic authorship of the Pentateuch, Genesis through Deuteronomy, was untenable due to discrepancies, doublets, that is, repeated accounts, and other issues, such as style and questions of historical knowledge, that seem to argue against a single author. One of the starting points on which the theory stands is the variation of names for God in Genesis, the plural Elohim, God, and the divine name of Yahweh, or Jehovah. German scholarship asserted that no single author would use more than one name for God, right? So there must have been two different authors, two different texts, from which the Genesis account as we have it now was generated. Looking at the creation account, by golly, it does seem to have multiple accounts of the same events, such as the two accounts of the creation of man in chapters 1 and 2. Clearly, no author would have written two accounts of the same event. Such doublets and repetitions will have been noticed by any student of the Bible, but now they are evidence of multiple authors and diverse accounts, or documents, and thus the documentary hypothesis. 
we will call those passages dominated by the name Elohim, the E account, and that dominated by the divine name, the J account for Jehovah. Thus, we see the origin of the first two letters of JEDP, to which were later added the Deuteronomic and Priestly documents, completing the acronym. Four documents, four different authors, widely separated in time. These documents were sewn together by some sort of redactor after the Babylonian exile, 6th century BC, into the Torah as we have it today. So, Moses could not have written the Torah. It should be noted here that even if we grant the theory, this latter claim is still not warranted by the evidence. It claims too much. Just a few more particulars to round out this account. A rather detailed chronology was developed for the various documents, as well as basic characteristics of each account. J. The author of the Yahwist account is considered the oldest of the sources, dating from the kingdom of Judah, around the time of David and or Solomon, in other words, 10th century BC, and uses exclusively the divine name Yahweh. Elohist The author of the Elohistic account wrote from the northern kingdom, Israel, in the 9th century BC, and exclusively used Elohim for the divine. D. The Deuteronomic account consists of the Book of Deuteronomy, and, sometimes invariously, the historical books, written in the 6th and 7th century BC and connected with the reign of King Josiah of the southern kingdom of Judah. Finally, P. The priestly account is thought to have begun during the Babylonian exile, continued through the Restoration, and thought to have combined the JED sources, adding and combining throughout the 6th century BC to produce the Hebrew scriptures as we have them today. Next, the synoptic problem is another issue with source criticism. It looks at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, much as do the advocates of the JEDP theory, as variants pulling their accounts from a variety of source material. Like the Old Testament theory, the supposed source documents are lost to us. So all we can do is look behind the text of the Gospels themselves to reconstruct the various sources. Most of the speculation is that the Gospel of Mark was first written, then used by Matthew and Luke, along with a second document called, imaginatively enough, Q. While all Christians, I think, should be aware of these theories, they should never allow them to shake their faith in God's Word. However God brought the Bible together, it is the Word of God that speaks to us that matters. Having said that, these theories have wrought immense damage to the faith of many people like our friend, the Mad Scot. And I do not think this was merely a secondary effect from a search for truth, but one of the primary motivations in their construction. Truth is never something we should fear, for God is truth. We live in a hyper-rationalistic age, which seeks at every turn to desacralize and demythologize human existence, or, in our Hegelian terminology, immanentize, that is, remove the transcendent from, 
our world, and experience. We are now in a position to begin to process the content and importance of the Mount Ebal curse tablet and C.S. Lewis's essay. But as we are out of time, we will begin this task next week. Before I close, though, I made a promise that if you stuck with me this week, I would explain the, quote, professional gauntlet jab contained in the title of the just-published scholarly paper on the curse tablet. If you remember, that title was, You Are Cursed by the God Yahweh, an early inscription from Mount Ebal. Why is this a gauntlet jab? Remember that the term, throwing down the gauntlet, is a direct challenge to a duel or battle, and a jab in the eye is the first punch. Well, the JEDP theory postulates, as we said above, that the divine name, Yahweh, was used exclusively by the Jews of the Southern Kingdom in the 10th century, while the term Elohim was used exclusively by the Northern Kingdom of Israel in the following century, the 9th. And the two terms were not originally combined, as in Lord God, as we find it in our current Bible, until later. Yet here in the curse tablet, the words, You are cursed by the God, Elohim, Jehovah, Yahweh, showing the combined terms at least 200 years before the theory allows them to be used together. This find, all by itself, throws a wrench into the works of the JEDP theory. Talk about a gauntlet being thrown down. The predictable responses will follow. Ignore, ignore, ignore. Deny, deny, deny. Until you can no longer do so. The dust most definitely has not settled. Nor will I predict an outcome. But I can't wait to see where it goes. I am a Christian with the searching and skeptical mind of an atheist. I don't want to believe anything that isn't true. I know both sides of the looking glass, and I know them with open eyes. I choose Christ's side. I invite you to join me from wherever you stand before the looking glass. That's this week's episode. Thanks for listening, and remember, you can have your religious cake and eat it too. You can have reason, respect for science, a 21st century worldview, and be a Christian.